You're listening to Real Politic featuring Josie Long on the Real Politic channel. But first, from the iconoclastic mind behind Twitter's own at People's Second Ref account. The audition reel for the forthcoming motion picture Milk Me Baby and Don't Spill a Drop The Mike Gape Story for the character of Mike Gapes. They call me Milk comes out as real. Take it from the cows in the north and cows in the south and it comes out as milk. And they take the labour doorstep taken by people who are on transphobes and they say you're a man. And story. Mr. Shabus Moon. And you have the book that is taken from cows. The spokesman for the leader of the opposition, Mr. Shabus Moon. The spokesman for the leader of the opposition. Mr. Seamus Moon Milk Milk Oh god, I've still got the masters for our Eric Idle episode up. (laughs) Eric Idle from Los Angeles is now (laughs) commentating on how bad British politics is with a view to diminishing the left. Is that right? Yep, that's that's precisely it. Sat by his pool. (laughs) <laughs> Him and Morrissey. He was really oh. concerned specifically about Monty Python getting nationalised. That's <laughs> that's Monty Python that was for the BBC the whole time. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, I need to set a scene that I'm sat under this heated blanket that I bought from no from Aldi, and it's so nice. It's oh, you don't need central heating when you can just heat your legs. You can choose the legs. You don't need the whole house. <laughs> we don't need central heating. That feel, you know, feels very much sort of like the Blitz spirit. That, that, <laughs> that should get us all through the next round of austerity. That's why I'm so viciously pro Brexit. I just think everyone's <laughs> too soft. <laughs> opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are. In the, you know, ascendancy I, I, within, the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were all right, too right wing. The hard left agenda, printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that sort of hard left wing position. Hard sort of left, the hard 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 left, So the Lord is love and love is like no other.
film are you watching? You said on WhatsApp that you were watching a film, and of course we are a film podcast. Oh, I'm a bit embarrassed. I'm watching the 1997 thriller Kiss the Girls, and I tell you something for free. I'm 34 minutes in. I have a hun- one hour and 21 minutes left, and I know that the villain is Carrie Elwes because his American accent isn't perfect. It's got to be Carrie Elwes. What does it have? Slight British inflections to it, or something? It's got a vibe. One of the things my mum loved to say is whenever Carrie Elwes is mentioned, she'll go, "Carrie Elwes's dad was a spy." <laughs> and so, God forbid, I'm going to be saying that for the rest of my life. So, whenever it's he's mentioned in front of my daughter, I'll be like, "Well, I've never googled it. It's probably a lie." That's like uh, when Geraint talks about the journalist <laughs> James Bloodworth, just all like, "This guy's a spy, etc." And I'm like, "Yeah, I agree. He is." <laughs> That's yeah. It's kind of the reverse of talking about films when we talk about journalism. It's like this guy actually wasn't a spy and has not had any spies in his family. He's the outlier. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Real Politic, everyone. I'm Jack. I'm joined by my regular partners in crime. Geraint at Waluigi Tifo. Hello. And, of course, our American correspondent, our director of film criticism, or something, that seems to be the job that Yair has fallen into, <laughs> Mr. Yair Rice. Yo. And we are joined by an extremely special guest. You thought that our surreptitiously acquired interview with Mike Gapes was a big scoop. Well... Okay, this isn't really a scoop, it's just we've got someone we like on the show. Comrades, Josie Long. Hello, and I should say, I am now a member of Change UK, so it's all worked out. (laughs) Definitely well. Yeah, we're hoping we can get all the Change UK, the independent group, big wigs on over the coming days. I I lost my mind when I saw that you guys had managed an interview with Mike Gates, and I haven't yet listened to it, and I just can't wait, like... How long did you wait before bringing up the, the milk? Like, how long? <laughs> well, okay, I should say, none of us personally did the interview. A, oh. a couple of associates of ours reached out to us, and they said, we're going to try and get an interview with Gapes on the campaign trail. However, if you guys are planning your big prank of Mike Gapes, then we'll happily hold off the interview. And, and I was like, uh, yes, our big prank that we have definitely planned. Yes, all the work we've put in. Hmm. So basically I said, well, look, we haven't actually got anything planned. How about you guys do that interview, but you do it as a real politic exclusive? And I've got to say that it was probably the hardest thing in my entire life to go weeks knowing that we'd got this interview with Mike Gapes oh without telling anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's very impressive. They I would have a... been like that before it happened, thus ruining yeah. it and making it not happen. Yeah, well, I, I literally, I had to edit it. Once we'd recorded the episode, I stayed up till 6am editing it that night because <laughs> uh, because I, I could not allow it to leak. I couldn't allow one of our comrades to break the embargo because obviously I'd been sent the recordings and I'd immediately blagged into a load of group DMs about it. So, <laughs> so we were like, okay, we've just got to get this out as soon as possible but yeah well real politic kept a secret amazing generally we're revealing state secrets and <laughs> i did the dumbest thing the other day no last night i felt a bit giddy and i was in a whatsapp group with a number of female comedians and i changed <laughs> the title of the whatsapp group to vote labor 12 
to someone. <laughs> and there's like 60 people in this group. And then I just put three laughing emojis and then I left the group. Honestly, I great. haven't laughed like that for about two years. My head was aching. <laughs> Just the leaving the group thing just makes it all better. Like you just leave. It's like burning a house down, and just it's like the shot of somebody walking away from the building they've just torched in a film. Yes. You know, yeah. yep. I couldn't believe. But also, like loads of these people are my friends, and it's a really useful group. But I just kind of lost my mind, and I was like, I'm out. Were there anti-Corbyn people in the group? Oh, the you know, there's anti-Corbyn people everywhere, aren't there? <laughs> yeah, in the Corbyn movement, even. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess because that—that's the thing, you know. Comedians, it's I obviously I always grew up. I was like, comedians speak truth to power, you know. They can see through the bullshit and stuff. And now I'm basically like, well, Josie Long, she can speak truth to power. <laughs> no. She sees through the bullshit. The rest of the profession. <laughs> I'm not going to denigrate everyone. Guys, I like this. Is the closest I'm ever going to get to being on This Is Your Life. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, I think what's been nice about this election is really seeing more people come out and be more outspoken, maybe than last time. Mm. I think, and I've been very glad of that. I've been glad of people sort of putting themselves on the line a little bit. And yeah, like I feel like the last sort of four years in particular have been such a dispiriting event. <laughs> to be like oh you as well and then also to see the fact that there are Tory comedians who are booked a lot and then people still will say oh all comedians are left wing and I'm like please direct me to these all comedians but the thing is, like, like, people like Andrew Doyle, they sort of poison the well because they're like, oh, I hate the left. But you know what? I actually am the real left winger. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's this whole thing of, well, you can't say they're right wing because they, cle- well, you can, they are right wing, but they'd still identify that way. It's like, oh, no, you see, actually hating Muslims makes me the real liberal. That kind of thing. I think Andrew Doyle's he's getting to the point now, his, his comedy unleashed nights that he runs or co-runs or whatever it is, they've managed to achieve what's been inevitable for a good few years now he's managed to do lineups uh, formed entirely of people who are like yeah I'm the only Tory comedian there is what do you think of that I'm a right wing comedian and he's also managed to do lineups entirely of yeah I'm the real left but sort of freedom of speech people you know yeah this is like the two types of stand-up comedians that you I've... will see one of them <laughs> on any sort of uh, you know somewhere on the bill of, of any lineup you go to with more than about two or three comedians on it yeah, and they've just w- managed to hoover them all up in one terrible lineup. Yeah, I worry that I have told you this, but a while back when I made a video to try and sort of say that I was worried about the rise of the far right, oh yeah, it got me a lot of flack. Mm-hmm. The comedy unleashed. Oh no, it wasn't about that. Sorry, my apologies. <laughs> it was about I think my refusal to come out to bat for the Nazi pug guy. Oh, yeah. Fuck, um, yeah. <laughs> this was around the same sort of time, though, wasn't it? Because I remember that was when we got into our beef with Jonathan Pye, because we were, oh, yeah. we, we were, like, sticking up for you, because I... Thank you. A beef pie. A <laughs> <laughs> beef pie. Well, as soon as Jonathan Pye started saying disparaging things about you, I was like, right, this guy is really unfunny. <laughs> like, he's, he's, got no, he's got no ground to stand for, and I was, I was infuriated, and that led us to make, up to that point, our most popular episode, which was oh, just God. about how Ricky Gervais is shit. But all, all Jonathan Pye's fans listened to that episode 
and sent us replies like, oh, this isn't funny, guys. You're just saying he's old or something. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, yeah, guys, subscribe to the podcast. Put the effort in. Understand what our vibe is. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But anyway, around the time, and if I have told you this, please forgive me. One of the guys who runs Comedy Unleashed was giving me some stick. And then in my DMs, he was like, listen, Josie, I really just think that you're wrong about this. And I've been a big fan of you since Whose Line Is It Anyway? And I was like, you don't even know who I am. Like, how can you be telling me off about my comedy when you don't know who I am? Do you think you were Clive Anderson? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I resemble Clive. And it's a real compliment because he's a barrister. (laughs) You can put QC on, on Twitter. Uh, no. Oh, and then I get a windmill. Yeah, exactly. <gasps> Did you speak a lot about the bonfire of the good Twitter accounts? Oh, no, we didn't. But we should have a talk about that because it was like a crackdown on independent left-wing comedy. Yeah. Admittedly, and what was really of... depressing, all these people who came out to bat for Count Dankula, oh, yeah. where oh. were they? It's very, very frustrating to see people who are like... Oh, I mean, obviously, I hate what he's saying, blah, blah, blah. And yet, you know, just thrilled to see funny, interesting, satirical... Cackling away at it, yeah. Because, I mean, I've, like, made this point a bunch of times, but I don't actually think there's much that's illegitimate or even, and frankly, so this cuts both ways, but I don't think there's much that's illegitimate about real politics, but nor do I think there's much that's that original. For example... The Tim Peake's radio play, people have done scripted comedy about politicians before. I I can explicitly say I was inspired by the comic strip presents. Um, We improvise supposedly funny political commentary. That's the panel show format. We review films. Okay, what about these is like this new hardline 21st century trolling. I mean, yeah, we take advantage of social media. But it feels like that because people have a problem with the message, they've chosen to attack the medium. Yeah. And no one's invited any of us on Comedy Unleashed, so it's just <laughs> bullshit, really. Like, literally, we're the most silenced people on the scene. Yeah. <laughs> Here we well, are. Like, mute. Literally, your accounts are constantly taken down. And, yeah, you know, <laughs> and that, you know, Count Dankler is not being taken down from Twitter. Like... I genuinely would like to hear the liberal case for why Count Dankula is better than real politic. Well, also, it's it's sort of odd in the climate now to think of people really coming up to bat for him. I'm like, oh god, it's just oh, it's just all so gross. I think, but uh, absolutely. And and I really miss Oliver Love Dugree Legal. It was such a great account. Yes. I believe you mean Oliver Lordagree. Oh my god. <laughs> what is wrong with me? It took me at least six months to me. get that joke, to be fair. That joke was a sleeper hit. Yeah. Lord Every Lord. month there'd be someone else tweeting, like, oh shit, I've just realised you pronounce it. Oh my god. <laughs> it's oh cool. my you know god. now. This is like the sixth sense. The little boy was a ghost. <laughs> But seriously, like, I can't imagine people 
feeling threatened by that account. And I don't think anyone actually did. I think it was... I think it was transphobes. Do you think... I assumed that that account got the boot because it was algorithmically associated with Trevor Bastard, who had obviously been painted as a fake news merchant. Which is amazing because, yes, a lot of the stuff he says is not true. But since when has comedy not been allowed to contain fictitious elements? Yeah. He's not... And also... It's not his fault that Have I Got News For You credulously reproduced his fake stuff. <laughs> he was, like, it, tweeting about it the entire week leading up to broadcast as well. Like, haha, these idiots think I'm real. And they've, they've <laughs> obviously noticed it at some point and they've just gone with it anyway because they literally don't care about their own output. One of my favourite developments of this current fake news hysteria has been redacted, changing the whole direction of his People's Second Referendum accounts. Oh, <laughs> that was so incredible. At People's Second Ref has gone from we want a, a, a liberal junta led by hashtag People's Pinochet Andrew Adonis, and now the account is just like yes. Having considered the issue, I must also say that Labour appear to have the best chance of stopping Brexit. I will be voting for the Labour Party and think all my fellow Remainers should do the same. Yes. I act, and he signs off the tweet. I actually think tenants should be allowed to have pets. <laughs> I laughed so hard when I read it. It, it was an absolute masterstroke. He spent about three weeks, four weeks joining the Liberal Democrats every day at about, yeah. at about half past five every day because it would always be on my train home from work. So I'd always remember yes. to favourite it every day. And then, and then joined Labour. I've just joined the Labour Party. Like, crowd goes wild. Yes. That's <laughs> where you're talking about the medium. Orwell fan, for example, I know we've talked about this before, but just the likes mm-hmm. just yeah. who Orwell fan likes is poetry and it's an interactive <laughs> creative experience it's become a thing it's become a sort of gauge of visibility because we looked at the failed former progress director Richard Angel a couple of weeks ago oh, to see what guy. he was up to the guy who claimed that care not car parks was a thing <laughs> reactionary politics our job is never done <laughs> so he, he'd gone to Australia and lost two elections for the Labour Party there. He did as well there as he did with Progress. And someone just looked at his account and he joined some new... What even were they? They were kind of like... It's not a think tank as such. It was like Narrowcast Media. At Narrowcast Media Group, we specialise in the capture and distribution of high-value presentations to narrowly defined professional audiences. It's a focus group company, right? That by the sound of it, okay. They had 62 followers. One, that's an incredibly obscure operation. And two, the ultimate sign of failure, none of them were Simon Hedges. <laughs> I've, I've just looked them up now. They've actually gone down to 60 followers. They are failing that bad. Although one of them is where streeting. Wow. Oh, wow. The man who David Miliband's out campaigning <gasps> for today. Saw it. Saw it. Could Jesus. not believe it. David, uh, I'm trying to think of something analogous to David Miliband. But it's like, he's not even been in the country for what? <laughs> 10 years or something and people still go wow if we could just get him back it's like people who think that if they got back together with their ex from when they were 16 that everything would be fine and it's like you don't even know where he lives now Mm. you don't know what he does for a living I, I think we know what he does for a living. But what? Who said MI5? Who said what? That's outrageous and slanderous. And I totally agree. And I think history has, to an extent, vindicated his brother. Not in that Ed Miliband's electoral strategy has been vindicated, but certainly compared to David Miliband, Ed, 
understands some fundamental things about the issues facing society. Um, I think he's a decent person and a funny person and a smart person who's still entirely dedicated. And like, yeah, I mean, there were definitely things about the 2015 election campaign that I couldn't cope with. Oh, that's the 2015 election campaign bell. <laughs> but there were definitely things, you know, the controls on immigration and the welfare abstention. There were things that yeah. really, really upset me about that leadership. But as a man and as a politician, I really, really respect him. And I really sort of feel, yeah, I feel like he's been thoroughly vindicated. And he's not spent the last few years, you know, giving fucking rent a gob. Well, like, you know, David Miliband's only contribution to British politics the last few years has been occasionally to give snide quotes to the liberal press about the current party leadership. And, you know, it's weird. Some people say, oh, why isn't Ed Miliband slagging off Corbyn over such and such? Uh, well, probably because he was Labour leader for five years and understands what it's like yeah. to constantly have people throwing disingenuous bullshit at you yes and also because he has like left politics <laughs> not left as in he's gone <laughs> left as in left wing he has got left politics he does like the politics of the Labour party <laughs> He yeah, is well, truly I'm... politically homeless. <laughs> <laughs> the current manifesto is probably a lot more of what Miliband would have, you know, in an ideal world, liked his manifesto to look like. Yeah, um, definitely. It's just unfortunately the Labour Party was a very right-wing party when he became leader in, in many ways. So, he, you know, in terms of MPs and advisors and infrastructure and everything was kind of pushing him in the opposite direction. But his personal instincts... And here's analysis of, say, inequality in society. And, you know, Ed's obviously a lot less hawkish than David as well. He kind of understands that the West's military interventions have not always been to our and the people who they're supposed to help benefit. Next to him, David just looks more and more out of touch by the day. And it still amazes me that people who are so detached from the present and indeed the past kind of five, ten years get to go... Well, of course, you know. I've been trying to think of this analogy for this, which is that with the coverage and the monstering of Ed Miliband, the monstering of Corbyn, and how brutal and vicious and disgusting it is. And I was thinking about how it's basically like people will accept that, for example, the Evening Standard is edited by... What's this? That awful monster. Gideon. um, Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Gideon. They will accept that it's edited by George Osborne, but at the same time, they still are like, but I just think the right Labour leader, they'd get behind the right Labour leader. And I'm like, no, they fucking wouldn't. None of them ever fucking would. Except the mirror, sort of. Yeah. Right. And then it's basically like, we're all living in this village and somebody's poisoned the only well in the village. <laughs> That's it. And everyone's going, listen, no human being can drink from that well. And they have a big meeting. They say, listen, don't go near the well because no human being can drink from the well. And then someone stands up and goes, I just think Jess Phillips could drink from the well. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, drink this little trickle of yellow piss on the ground instead. (laughs) (laughs) But also it's like the thing of the right candidate could not beat this system. And if they were able to, they would not be the right candidate. Yeah. The fact is that to get somebody who won't be susceptible to the attack lines that Corbyn is, they would have to be to his right. It would have to be someone less radical. And I think that's worrying. It would have to be someone significantly to Ed Miliband's right, you know? Oh, yeah, Um, of course. Significantly. And then also I think it's people who just consider having some kind of political schema 
or some kind of political integrity to be baffling to them. Yeah. Like people are like, well, just tribal dogmatists. And it's like, no, I believe in socialism. I believe in it <laughs> as a system. I believe in a thing. And that's the politics that I want to try and pursue. It's not me being yeah. dogmatic. It's me having a thing. It's like going into a shop that only sells fucking dog clothes and being like, you're such a dogmatist. Why don't you sell <laughs> televisions? <laughs> it's like, because I sell dog clothes. That's what I sell. And also, these people haven't got a leg to stay on when it comes to talking about ideology because they've shown themselves to be absolute fucking zealots over the last few years. Tom Manning, friend of the show, has that great tweet about cunt chicken. How whenever there's decent policy announced by Labour, we'll always get these kind of like pathetic, wonkish explanations for why actually giving people nice things is actually not nice and is very bad for the poor and beneficial to the rich and, yeah. and again actually there's another tweet I think it was Ed Rooksby about how one legacy of the current political situation is that there's a whole generation of leftists who have been directly <coughs> schooled in the fact that when push comes to shove the centre will do absolutely everything they can to derail you with an astonishing degree of fear and loathing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you said it, man. I do have this because I voted Labour in 2015. That was the first general election I could vote in. But before that, I kind of supported Labour but never joined or got into party politics because obviously there was nothing on offer for somebody with left-wing inclination. The Liberal press, for all their flaws, you could, between 2010 and 15, pick up The Guardian or even The New Statesman and read explanations of what austerity was doing to the poorest people in society and how it was a political choice by the Tories and a very destructive one at that. And then you had, in 2015, one anti-austerity political candidate, the rest of the candidates saying Labour actually needed to move to the right, and then... Um, basically like the whole of the press viciously opposed the one person who seemed against this unjust economic settlement and then tried to say oh no we don't support that economic settlement or anything we're not pro neoliberalism we're not pro austerity we just are totally fine with the one political leader who's offered something different in the last 30 years not getting to do that mm. <laughs> yeah i am so stunned by the new statesman and by the observer tactical voting map that says in labor seats that you should oh, vote fuck, Lib Dem. Yeah. yeah it's despicable and and then you know you see like i'm just looking at an article now that's like labor aren't are closing in the polls but not enough oh uh, it's like if only you the guardian had some agency in yeah. order to change this like it's i i had an argument with someone the other day where they were just over and over again saying well, Labour's not done enough, they're not electable, you know, and I'm as left-wing as they come. And I was like, have you been out canvassing? Oh, no. God. Have you been phone banking? No. Have you been campaigning? No. Why not? Well, they just haven't convinced me they're electable. And I'm like, <laughs> you are aware that it's not about them selling a product to you, but about all of us fighting for our fucking lives over and over again to get the luckiest break to just somehow unseat the party that is dedicated to preserving the most entrenched privilege in the fucking world. Yeah. I'm aware that unless all of us take up arms and go for it, that we are fighting against all of the money and all of the power. 
fucking right. By the way, that's exactly the kind of stuff that I was hoping you'd say if you came on the show. Flashbacks to your agitprop appearance in 2017. <laughs> uh, okay. Agit rather. Well, the way I feel, I mean, I feel very sad this election because I, I did not anticipate how low they would go and how dirty it would be and yeah. how much people would feel frightened of expressing the truth about certain things and, and just how horrible and vicious people would be. And I didn't also anticipate how little Boris Johnson could bring to the table and how much he would be sucked off by the fucking press every day. But yeah. that having been said, also I've got a child now and I'm too sad at the thought of the next five years of her life at least being, you know, and climate change too, like... The idea that this wonderful radical green policy by the Labour Party could people could see it and be like, no, not for me. It's like, fuck <laughs> you. You're setting just, my house on fire. But all of that um, in a bag and put to the side. What has been yeah, so yeah. beautiful and thrilling about this campaign is, and what I feel about activism in the long term is, it's never about you personally, right? If you're feeling yeah, tired, yeah. like. I've only been able to canvas once so far this election. I will be doing a couple more before the end, but I've got my baby. It's really hard. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to look after her. It's very, very hard for me to get out there. But what's so beautiful is it's not about me. It's about all of us. And there will be times in your life and in this campaign and in the future when you just feel like I can't do anything. I feel hopeless. I feel completely desolate. And at those times, there will be people around you who are like, I went canvassing for the first time last week and I'm so excited and I'm going to go again. And it's been seeing people on my Twitter feed having the exact same thrilling experience that I felt I had in 2017 where I was canvassing more and more and it felt like momentum was happening in both senses of the word. And it's such a joy to know that everyone who went out in 2017 is coming back and they're bringing more people. And in 2015, I was like you. I didn't canvass, I didn't campaign. I barely expressed support. I basically was like, yeah, I mean, obviously vote Labour, but whatever. And I yeah. rue it so hard. And what's happening, really, is that more than one generation of people have turned into activists. That's glorious, and that doesn't have to end. And also, we just don't know there's everything to play for, and the way that you will feel better about this is to get out and campaign. And I fully appreciate there are many people who, for whatever reason, just can't do door knocking. But there's ways to do leaflet drops, there's ways to do phone banking, there's ways to just talk to people that you know, and it's worth it, like anything, that in the worst-case scenario will let you sleep at night. You know? A hundred percent. I mean, we were talking about comedians earlier and their sort of anti-Corbynism. And obviously, yes. I mean, you're one of the... Generally, if I talk about how much I like Monty Python, everyone's like, shut the fuck up, you nerd. But I can, you know, I've often I love sent, Monty Python. I've often sent you DMs about, you know, when I've been enjoying some Python stuff and we've been able to, to talk about what an influence it is on both of us and how Terry Jones is a legend, etc. Truly. But, you know, we did an episode this week about Eric Idle, uh, Eric Idle from Los Angeles, as you said, uh, anti-Corbynism. <laughs> what do you think it is that means you haven't had your head turned by the the anti-Corbyn stuff, basically? I don't own property. There we go. That's it. Honestly, I have a student loan. I don't own property. I went to a posh university and most people I know from posh university are lovely, but are in considerably better financial circumstances than me and mm -hmm. always will be. And like, I, I'm in this business, I'm in shy business, 
and most people in show business are from a much higher social class than me and I think I just I don't know I mean there are plenty of people who think I'm an idiot and naive and there are plenty of things in comedy that will no longer touch me with a barge pole and it is depressing for me because I do not consider my politics to be even remotely extreme at all like oh (laughs) Jesus Christ and so it's depressing for me because I want to be able to be a more mainstream comedian desperately but I'm somebody that I'm very earnest and enthusiastic and I can't hide and I can't lie and so if I feel things I have to talk about them and I have to sort of wear my heart on my sleeve and that's just what I am so that's just what I am. I feel like I sound like somebody from, like, The Only Way is Essex. But um, I think that's just what I am, guys. There's a serious place for that, though, because a lot of comedians, they can kind of just descend into facile snark and even apply yeah. that to things that really matter, like this election. Yeah, And it's just and like it's... a mode they've fallen into and can't get out of. Yeah, and I think that's something that I've never, ever had in my writing. I've always... My thing when I'm writing my stand-up shows, please come, tend it out on tour in January. <laughs> but when I'm writing my stand-up shows, I try to start from a point of earnestness, which I then have to puncture over and over again. But it's not that I don't really care. And also, I just think, for whatever reason, there are certain political things that just got me in my heart and my soul, and I'll never let them go. Like, Kurt Vonnegut is a big influence on me I really really love his work and he introduced me to Eugene Victor Debs the socialist not literally in any sense like, I just was just thinking imagine if I was hanging out with him and hanging out with him. But, um, he introduced me to the existence of Eugene Victor Debs who was a socialist candidate for president in 1903 5 7 11 and at one point he got 10 million votes he got like something like 10% of the vote it was astonishing and also if you look on YouTube there is an audio documentary about Eugene Debs voiced by Bernie Sanders before he was famous. It's incredible. It's got dramatic reenactments of strikes. It's got like Bernie Sanders being like, no oil in our building. That sounds awesome. Have you heard Bernie's folk album from the 80s? Fuck no, I cannot wait. I just found out that Woody Guthrie did a kid's album. I mean, I'm really catching up. But the thing is, what he says is, as long as there is a lower class, I am of it. As long as there is... Oh, I can't remember the middle one. As long as there is a soul in prison, I'm not free. And you just can't forget it. And also, oh, it helps that, like, none of my family are rich, ever. None of my yeah, family yeah. are rich. All of us, all my family is struggling for money. And in difficult circumstances, no matter how hard they work and no matter how much they do to try against it. And so it's just normal to have the politics like most people do. It's just that most people in showbiz are from money and don't realise yeah it's depressing how kind of they don't seem to see any stakes in anything and i guess that's because it's not going to affect their life greatly but knee-jerk anti-toryism is like a time-honored tradition in british politics and now they're all kind of too scared to be like it unless they slack off the tories too much and imply that corbyn isn't as bad as them so something i was speaking of which what a fun thing to see ben elton coming out for the labor party yeah comrade ben absolutely (laughs) always said he was good we never doubted him (laughs) blackadder great stuff <laughs> well, that's what I think we should in this little bit of the episode I'll get that clip from Blackadder 3 where Elton cameos as a radical who tries to bomb Prince George at the cinema <laughs> not the cinema yeah. sorry but the, the theatre but he, he has this great speech like smash the whirling jellies <laughs> <laughs> Destroy the going up and down of it and then moving along Gertrude and death to the stupid prince who grows fat on their profits. 
I say, how exciting! This play's getting better and better. Bravo! It's not a play anymore, sir. Put the bomb down and make your way quietly to the exit. But no, that, yeah, obviously you're not the only person, the, the only funny person in the world <laughs> to and endure labour this time. There's a um, lot more, but seriously, there are a lot more people out there this time and it's really wonderful and I'm really glad and grateful for them and it does make you feel like oh thank god I'm not losing my mind here thank god I can still cope with reality a bit I'm not alone because I don't want to slag off any other comedians really yeah just, I, I got um, you you don't want to yeah. you know alienate your peers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah it's a funny one I guess it's just a shame comedians who I thought were kind of like kind of broadly lefty and maybe a knee-jerk. I felt like, say, in 2015, during the leadership election, there was a bit, like, the Independent would put out clickbait stories, and these were kind of echoed in certain lines you'd see from comedians, but they were just kind of, like, saying how all the attacks on Corbyn were just kind of absurd. You'd get news thump articles like, oh, Corbyn stole your nan or something and tried to nationalize her and then that kind of faded away as the attacks on corbyn got more intense you know and it it felt like you recently had russell howard coming out and doing a big oh it doesn't matter who wins the election because boris johnson would try and fuck everything up and corbyn would just accidentally fuck everything up or something heartbreak also what's depressing about that is he's such a nice man and he's so thoughtful and i just feel like yeah I've known him since I was 17 and he was 19 and it's a funny thing that's funny to me he's a multi-millionaire and I'm under a heated blanket from Audi and so you know (laughs) it's a life but the thing I think is a lot of comedians it would serve them to personalize what they're saying it's only really true if they personalize it if he would say it wouldn't make any difference to me if this because I think this and I think that You'd go, right, okay, that's what this person thinks. But instead it's like this faux, you know, Michael McIntyre, we all do this. Peter Kay, didn't your mum do this? No, my mum didn't do that, you know, like... <laughs> and it's the same with Twitter. The amount of times you see Twitters where pe- uh, Twitters? <laughs> you see tweets where people are like, um, actually, everyone thinks that Corbyn is this. And it's like, no, darling, you think that. <laughs> yeah. That's your politics. It's not universal. And you were involved in one of my favourite... I mean, not actually a favourite, not actually particularly uh, a good thing, but it was a kind of incredibly... (laughs) Great intro. A moment that starkly illustrated this sort of knee-jerk comedian anti-leftism that you get now, which was when in the brief, like, maybe six-month window, I had a public Twitter account in 2017... No, 2018, before it got banned... For, again, for no reason. I did a tweet which was like, I used the phrase dinner party liberals because oh, God. all yeah. the JK Rowling and people, they were all like just taking the piss out of this working class woman who, who got me. her peace prizes confused. Yeah, she yeah. said the Nobel Peace Prize instead of the Mahatma Gandhi Peace oh, Prize. Oh, like, God, that was grim, yeah. Who the fuck yeah. knows more than one peace prize? Yeah. And she had the misfortune of making this mistake to a Sky News journalist, and so obviously mm. it was instantly viral moment. Look how fucking thick Corbynistas are. And then... I was like, well, I've got to say, nothing makes me support Corbyn more than seeing the way that dinner party liberals sneer at working class people for supporting him. And then you retweeted this, and then Jenny Eclair <laughs> responded saying, 
Josie, I'm going to have to unfollow you now. This is ridiculous. Dinner party liberals, what are you talking about? She said, I'm one of those dinner party liberals. And, <laughs> I've, and I pay a lot of money to arts emergency, I should have you know. Which felt a bit like she was like my mum telling me. It was really weird, that one, because... It was nothing to do with her. Yeah. It was yeah. more specifically a criticism of J.K. Rowling, who is a multi-multi-millionaire who has millions of followers, who she was <clears> setting <throat> on this poor woman. Like, it was a criticism of that. Exactly. And yet she saw that and went, that's just like me. I'm not <laughs> having it. Yeah. And that's so weird, the way people betray themselves in that way, because, like, I have zero against her. And, like, obviously I do have quite a lot against the Lib Dems, to be honest. And I do have quite a lot against certain modes of liberalism but i would never ever ever come out and be mean to her specifically about her politics i just would never do that i didn't even know what her politics were and so it's really odd to me that she did this big show of telling me Mm. off for something totally unrelated to her and also it was kind of funny because it does sum up a lot of the way things are online is that jk rowling was bullying someone and i was the bully to someone unrelated for commenting that it's, just like, weird. it's honestly just weird as fuck you see like a tweet which is like indirectly having a go at some people who are well off and making fun of poor people and you'd think this is a personal attack on me i love making yeah. fun of poor people you know? that's the thing it's so classic isn't it where people respond to tweets like i don't do that and it's like then maybe i'm not talking yeah, about you. <laughs> you you post a tweet like, oh, it's terrible that, you know, New Labour invaded Iraq and colluded with the US in torture. And then all these Blairites will be like, what do you mean? Why are you saying this about me? I've never waterboarded anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's a funny thing. I tell you what is funny. When I first started doing political stand-up shows about nine years ago, when people still booked me for things, I used to, I don't know, I think people sort of started to see me as like, that I was judging everyone else really harshly. But actually, like, the only people I'm really judging harshly are the people in power, right? I don't, like... I'm not here to judge some random person in comedy whether or not they're pure enough. And so for a while, people really, really would treat me like the morality police and be like, oh, look, I'm really sorry, look, I am doing this. And I'd be like, why do you need to confess to me? Like, I'm just some idiot who likes knitting like just because i'm (laughs) trying to talk about politics from a very personal perspective i don't know it's a funny one probably some of the more cynical people are sort of disconcerted by your tone of sincerity basically yeah and people don't like the people definitely don't like people who are sincere i saw that and not that i'm relating myself to him but i saw that about jeremy corbyn somebody was talking about him saying that people cannot fucking stand the fact that on Christmas Day he goes to a homeless shelter and that the rest of the year every day he's out there doing campaigns for the underdog and things like that (laughs) they hate that because it shows them that they could not be participating in selfishness yeah so they're like fuck this guy 10 times more yeah genuinely I think that's a big part of anti-Corbynism is that he highlights people's flaws for them you know the fact that he's such a well-tempered kind of guy he's a very calm and thoughtful and sort of friendly individual you could just see that and just think oh why can't i control myself like this or you could see this and be like you know that guy has got his shit together yeah he does it's been really sad to see him so baited and hurt in a way and like the problem is i can't even talk like this about him because I can just imagine people 
because from the start people have been like you're in a cult you love your magic grandfather it's like no he's a politician that I've always really respected who when I was doing a speech at the campaign to stop cuts to legal aid was there and yeah, when I was yeah. giving a speech at the giving, I give loads of speeches uh, at the, I used to anyway Good. Um, at the um, student occupation he was there and whenever I would look between 2010 and 2015 at how I wanted people to be voting he would vote that way yeah and so yeah it's difficult to see him so obviously really hurt because and I'm not saying like I'm not saying that there is no problem with the Labour Party and I'm not saying that no uh, it's it's just a bit of a mess but I, I think like well it's not a me- uh I can't even, I just, the way I feel is, it's a shame to see him so baited and so tortured by the country for four years when his intentions are so clear. He doesn't have to do it, does he? No, he doesn't. He could leave and he could get out and not take all this absolute shit. I have some stand up about that, but (laughs) if I was Jeremy Corbyn two weeks in, I would have given a speech where I was like, do you know what? Fuck you all. Fuck you all. Me and Dan Abbott are going fishing in Ireland. (laughs) Well, put the fucking fish back. Don't you dare have a headline of fish killer Corbyn. Fuck you all. I think around the 2016 leadership challenge or the start of that, the build up to that, that's when it became obvious sort of how resilient a character he was when they were Mm. doing that staggered hourly resignations on the hour thing yeah, yeah. and just piling on all sorts of really grim is, shit and at that point that's why I really really hate the help whole, but feel sorry for it but I hate the whole oh he's not a strong opposition I'm like what more do you want mm. who's been strong put up yeah, with all exactly. your tosses you know <laughs> yeah, yeah like Ed Miliband like had a well not entirely supportive PLP but there were definitely some MPs who did actually like him that mm. was a, definitely an advantage and journalists who thought that the Labour Party was still broadly sensible that point as well although maybe a little bit too unsensible in a leftward direction but (laughs) that should be their new thing actually because now they all our problem with corbyn was never that he was on the left so they should yeah definitely say he was too unsensible in a leftward direction but yeah, I, I don't know. I guess the thing with Corbyn is I'll be sympathetic to the anti-Corbyn arguments when people show me an MP with a better voting record than him. Um, yeah. And no, John McDonnell doesn't have a better voting record than Corbyn. McDonnell didn't rebel against the new Labour government as many times, which obviously yeah. makes Corbyn better. Diane Abbott served as Ed Miliband's, what was she, Shadow Health Minister for a while? Therefore, yeah. she voted with the whip on things like the bombing of Libya. Now, I've got an enormous respect for both John McDonnell Donald and Diane Abbott. I don't wish to denigrate either. Jeremy Corbyn has the best voting record of any MP in Parliament. <laughs> I am constantly like saying this on the timeline to bait some soft left or something into trying to say, oh no, actually, uh, Alex Sobel or Lisa Nandy has a better, <laughs> better record than Corbyn. Because on the issues that matter, I think, Jeremy Corbyn has been the single most solid MP. And I know there's been this thing of, oh, you know, we need to not be so defensive about Corbyn. We need to just stick just... up for our policies, whatever. Nah, fuck that, man. Like, anyone who's on the left, look at what they're doing to Jeremy Corbyn and know that they do the same to you in a heartbeat. I had, like, a week getting rat fucked by the right-wing papers and that's enough for for me to be able to relate to Jeremy Corbyn for the rest of my life. Yeah, like I have that fucking prison prick 
Although yeah. I am thrilled that I've still never watched a video of his because I feel like <laughs> oh god, the I difference between that, me and yeah. him is he's watched more videos of me than I have of him, and I'm like, this is <laughs> glorious. But like, I think they're about cartography or something. Yeah, his comedy's <laughs> unintentional. There's quite a lot of it though. <laughs> Wait, cartography is the study of maps, right? Yeah. 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 Got it. Well, well done. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Cool. That was. I was right on it with that Gam- one. Gambled anyway. and won. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just seen Saturday Night Live have done a NATO cafeteria cold open sketch with Boris and Trump and Macron all sitting in the I bet that is searing satire <laughs> well they've got um that guy to play Boris haven't they that oh, guy James Corden yeah oh yeah shit that is James Corden it is yeah, James okay. Corden yeah oh dear oh <laughs> god god damn it <laughs> I bet he's abstaining in this election or voting Lib Dem or something. Well, I'll never forget the picture of him kissing Spicer. Do you remember that picture? He was at some party and he's got his arm... He's sort of giving Spicer a little kiss on the face and Spicer's kind of giggling. And it's just like, no, this isn't how you... This isn't what comedians' no. functions are. I just find that whole, like, kind of arse-licking talk show host thing, like, just a, I find it like a, yes. a, a kind of a humiliating... Yeah. It's, an, it's anathema, so, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, well, it just seems, like, really degrading to oneself. Like, for example, recently Bill Maher, who's obviously, like, the worst person ever to live, mm-hmm. did a, <laughs> he, he did some whole thing about, like, oh, fuck fat people, blah, blah, blah. Wow. And James oh, Corden obviously was like, I'm gonna stick up for fat people people and he did this whole thing which was it had some good points in there but the whole time he was doing this cringy you know i actually like bill maher thing (laughs) it's just like mate like you're just terrified of losing that one point in the ratings from people who also watch real time with bill maher the man's like a reactionary piece of shit fuck him so yeah degrading is how i describe james corden's current career (laughs) it's it's working for him isn't it you couldn't pay me to watch that sketch with him playing boris johnson in it or or, or anything really of the the political saturday night live stuff but fair play to him he's getting rich (laughs) another comedian eddie izzard obviously not on our wing of the party but a labor stalwart nonetheless Mm -hmm. out currently out campaigning for the labor party i'm not sure who for not a comedian but a celebrity nonetheless i've been torn on the hugh grant thing because on the one hand i think it's good but he's campaigning for Pfizer Shaheen and stuff yeah at the same time he's campaigning for Chukka but then he got fed up at the Lib Dems how the Lib Dems tried to exploit it obviously <laughs> they they did the whole hey look here's Hugh Grant out campaigning with Chukka and with Luciana Berger and he knows that the Lib Dems are the only people to vote for not Labour and he's turned around and said no actually I'm advocating voting for those guys tactically fuck off yeah turned on their their attempts to over milk his endorsement completely but i think milk being the operative word well he didn't campaign politics he didn't campaign for gapes did he? he's probably steaming <laughs> absolutely get. steaming about that given he's still mad about like that one tactical vote website not recommending him but gapes has got some flyers now with a hugh grant impersonator on them what? <laughs> no, he hasn't. I was just thinking about how he's got all the Labour branding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got, like, just some generic American soap actor that's got an English accent on or something. You know, <laughs> plays the sort of Hugh Grant roles in films that can't afford Hugh Grant. <laughs> Mike Gapes. Uh, I'm just, oh, I'm just having a look to see. Yeah, it's the same. Every, <laughs> every oh, day God. something reminds me to have a look. But last I saw, he was tweeting out one of his flyers that had, like, his slogans and the Labour card 
colours and his message on, and he'd taken the photo so that like the light reflected off the flyer. So where it says real labour values and independent mind, the bit that says an independent mind was completely obscured. It just says Mike Gape's <laughs> real labour values. So he's absolutely still going to great lengths to make his literature look even worse than it is while still having the independent line printed on it so he can't get actually sued for it. It's hard not to feel for him. You know? I, I, I just think it's, about it's a the cycle. Iraq war it's a, every time. Yeah, it's a cycle. <laughs> You'll say something that makes you kind of feel sorry for him or just see him as like a comedy character. You can't hate him. And then within five minutes, it'll be absolutely kicking off that someone doesn't want to bomb somewhere or just yeah. like saying like trot off troll to someone who's concerned about Islamophobia or something, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. did an interview recently about the great Twitter purge of left-wing mm-hmm. comedy accounts. And I think I made a very good defense of how... Oh, sorry, I just accidentally got a video of Mike Gapes up. <laughs> I, I, I think I made a very compelling defense of why us bullying Mike Gapes over a sustained <laughs> period of time is actually good because he was part, admittedly not a senior part, but part mm. of a Labour government that wielded state power to cause, I think, an extraordinary amount of harm not just around the world, but to people in this country to some extent as well. Yeah, so I basically, I think, if you weigh it up, our jokes are basically good <laughs> I, I, I will i will say though if and that's my, why all of us have nothing to worry about <laughs> exactly although if mike gapes wins on the 12th i will change my position and never make a joke about him or about <laughs> any other subject again <laughs> yeah we'll, we'd, we'd have to have a good long think about what, what, what we're doing with our lives if he somehow gets in <laughs> yeah, we'd all have to step back because it would be our fault. He's um, <laughs> he's tweeted some more photos of him campaigning with, with some of his supporters doorstepping. I noticed none of them have got Martin Francis in them anymore. So I'm wondering if he's actually reacted to me shithousing and highlighting his old tweets where he was threatening to put people's teeth in a bucket. <laughs> I might I might have got someone kicked off the Mike Gapes campaign. Oh, excellent. <laughs> First Mr. Richard Miller, now another That's like the most Gapes. Goon. That's like the most low stakes grassing I've ever done in my life, I think. What, <laughs> one of like the five people that door knocks for Mike Gape gone. Ah, claiming a scalp there. My power levels are incredible. <laughs> Earlier on, we mentioned, in fact, you briefly mentioned, Josie, that the Observer today. A fucking PR agency for Tony Blair. Printed a so called tactical voting guide, which, like all other tactical voting guides, basically just seems like more Lib Dem fake news. And this tactical voting guide endorsed Sam Guimar, the Lib Dem candidate and former hard right conservative minister, as of like a couple of months ago, in the seat of Kensington and Chelsea. I, like, I just wanted to shine a light basically on how outrageous this is because it really just shows the kind of moral rot at the heart of the observer this paper needs to take its finger out of its ass and stop taking tony blair's press releases at face fucking value christ they don't care whether people live or die the main contender in kensington and chelsea which is currently held by labor is the conservative party not the Lib Dems. It's a tight marginal seat where Emma Dent Code, the Labour MP, has a majority of, I think, about 100. And Emma Dent Code is one of the best socialists on the Labour benches. She's shown nothing but care and compassion for the victims of the Grenfell fire, which yeah. took place in that constituency. And I think it is just viscerally 
disgusting that liberals, and I mean that with a small L, both the Liberal Democrat Party and the Liberal publication, The Observer... Stop slagging off Jenny Eclair. She's not done anything to you. (laughs) Dinner party. (laughs) Fucking dinner party liberals are happy to fucking sit in their fucking dinner parties, the block away from Grenfell, looking out the window and knowing people are still suffering out there and that they've just elected a Tory MP. Whether it's Sam Guimar, who it won't be, or the Tory candidate, it will be a Tory MP. That's what the choice is if you can't back Emma Dent Code. And again, it's just for demonization. It's just the, in the words of Simon Ren Lewis, the othering of the left, to say this person is a Corbyn supporter. So basically they're completely beyond the pale. Vote for the person who is responsible for the social problems that have plagued this constituency. So I'm really, really angry about that. Yeah, well, it's I agree. It's really, it's sad. And I hate the fact that people still get to be the smartest person in the room, no matter how wrong they were last time, no matter how they refuse to engage with the discourse in reality. Just people have this completely reductive view of the world, which is just like one degree Mm. of separation away from that of a member of Britain first. And then they still act like they're the reasonable, sensible ones, and we're the cranks. Yeah. 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 (laughs) <laughs> and, and on that, I'm gonna have to go because I have to get to bed. My daughter wakes oh, up that's, that's six so, in the morning. That's absolutely fine. Like honestly, I was thinking we should wrap up soon so I can edit this in not very much time anyway. I was gonna ask you one more thing, Josie, before we wrap up. Yeah. So I think this, this should be a better question than just. Uh, so you know, this comedian is a bit of a cunt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you have recently had a child you've mentioned earlier your daughter and what kind of future do you do you want for you and your child to to live in you know for 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 your child to grow up in Um, and 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 this and this election you know how does this election kind of how pivotal is that in terms of like the future well it's I, i mean it's so obvious like just from a climate change perspective, mm-hmm. we are in this window that is shutting. And the Labour Party, yes, I appreciate what they're offering, is not as fully radical as we need. And yes, I appreciate we are one country on this earth and that many other countries are doing things that may well sabotage us. Yeah, I get all of that. But the Green New Deal is by far the most radical proposal of anyone at this election and it will help to mitigate things and it will help to change things and we have a tiny fucking window otherwise when my daughter is 30 the planet and the country are going to be so so different in a manner that is stark and terrifying and so just for that I can't understand people not we have a chance a wonderful chance but not just that this manifesto and again like I completely see and a agree with left criticisms of this manifesto especially from an immigration point of view i see them i get it and i know that to an extent me just going i'm going all out for this is a certain kind of pragmatism that may or may not be distasteful to people and i do appreciate that but this manifesto all my life i've been longing for a manifesto that comes somewhere like this i can't believe it when i read it i'm like what they've thought of for mothers and for parents in terms of short start, in terms of maternity leave, in terms of mental health cover, in terms of support, it makes me want to cry. It's beautiful. It's the sort of society that we need. And so when I see people like sneering, like <laughs> Corbyn's giving away self, it's like, <laughs> how fucking dare you? This is ambitious and it's optimistic. And so like the way I feel about this election is 
we have this incredible chance and the alternative is so stark and so vile it really is like you have a chance for something beautiful or you debase yourselves and not like James that, like, Corden in his new career. Yeah, I, I want my daughter to have healthcare that isn't bankrupting. Yeah. I want doctors and nurses not to be sick with stress and exhaustion. Like, I want teachers to be well paid. It's everything that I believe we have an option now to try and do. And I simply cannot believe that anyone would be lukewarm about that. And yeah. I, you know, I don't want to upset people like. The thing that I think has been really craving this election is the way that Jewish people have been treated like a political football and cynically, so fucking cynically abused and yeah, so yeah. fucking cynically treated by this country and the press and the discourse. And I wish that I could reassure people enough that the Labour Party that I want to be a part of and the meaning of what solidarity is and the party that I want to be a part of is striving towards becoming always an anti-racist party. And I, again, like agree with criticisms from the past about Labour, about it not being an anti-racist party and it having so many problematic elements. But I wish that it were possible to make people feel better and reassured because what I know about the party and having read Bad News for Labour or reading Bad News for Labour, which is the academic study about what has happened in the last four years in the press and in the reception of the anti-Semitism scandal, and also scandal is probably the wrong word, and kind of mm. the way I feel is I wish that I could reassure people enough so that there wasn't this hurt and I completely understand why people might feel that hurt now given the way that the press has inflamed things and the way that people are being so despicable and cynical. I think of Michael Gove retweeting fake accounts saying anti-Semitic <laughs> things and signal boosting them like yeah, absolute yeah. dog shit. He's and like fascist, fascist as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's nasty. And also down to the fact that I would never ever deny that there are cases in Labour and I would never deny that the process was too slow. But the reasons behind that and the scale when it's 0.1% of the party, I just want people to know that that is something that we can all work together to solve. It is not yeah. out of control. It is not root and branch. It is not everybody in the party. It is not a thing that people need to be frightened of or worried by because that's not what it is. And that's a thing that genuinely I think has been really heartbreaking for everyone going and campaigning because they are people who desperately want to be anti-racist and do the work and not to be racist in their lives and not to be yeah, part yeah. of a racist party. And so it's it's horrifying for them. That's they precisely why the attack line works so well against this particular party. Because people in Labour, as far as I can see, take it seriously, are stricken by it, are desperate to change it. People in the Tory party don't give a shit, make hay with whatever they can. People in bad faith who would not consider themselves part of either party do the same. And so then you have situations where people can come out in the press over and over again and tell people to be afraid and tell people that things are far bigger and worse than they are. No wonder people are feeling like shit. It's fucking brutal. I'm not an expert on it, but that's the thing that really hurts me about this campaign. And it's not me, yeah, yeah. it's not about me. That's the thing that really hurts about this campaign is how cynically people have been abused and how little we as a society in general are doing for what people claim they want to be doing. Yeah. But that aside, I think that 
sorry I've just really really lost my place because I really went deep in that but like <laughs> that aside I'm really glad you made the point though because pe- yeah. it, people I think it, if they just don't bother to say anything about it then it would just yeah and I, I don't want to do you know what it's the same that everyone I know says no one wants even one case of racism in their party no one wants Ooh. that apart from conservatives who don't give a fuck and I will keep saying that because they've done zero to reprimand their candidate like they've done so little to reprimand people for all kinds of abuses and things like that they've literally had mayoral candidates sacked for sex abuses and it doesn't get into the so there's a lot of stuff like that but that aside because i really do appreciate that the way that it's got in our society now is that it is just hurtful for people and you know of course it fucking is it's like Mm -hmm. this morass it's awful and i think partly because i think i read a thing about emily thornbury saying that obviously because jeremy corbyn has spent a lot of his life actively campaigning against racism i think he obviously must have felt hurt by that because he doesn't want to be that and so that initially might have stopped him from giving the response that was needed to kind of treat it properly i i don't know but you do see a kind of line from the soft left that you know they're totally unforgiving if corbyn if he seems hurt by the accusation, if he looks like he's not just totally cool with basically it being implied that he's going to do a new Holocaust. That's like, one of the things, it's fucking, fucking despicable that people would say that. And the people that mm-hmm. say it are people like Michael fucking Gove. And I think, how dare they? Oh, it, like, it makes me so a, frustrated. A radical Islamophobe. Yeah. yeah. But so I hope I don't... like. I fully appreciate I'm not an expert and I'm just chatting away and I hope I'm not upsetting people just even talking in this way about it. All I want is to be sensitive and to try to be part of a solution, not a problem. But what I would say about this Labour campaign is that I think it is being enacted in good faith and I think it is built on genuine hope and a desire to make people's lives better. I really, really do. I think the heart of this Labour campaign and the heart of this Labour leadership is about making our society a fairer place and making our society a better place. And it makes me cry when I see these like beautiful videos that say what needs to be said about how awful the last 10 years have been and how unfair it all is and so you know maybe i'm a sucker but i would rather be an optimist fighting an optimistic battle than a cynical fucker i'd rather be (laughs) under a heated blanket from audi and rented accommodation than a millionaire who's willing to pretend that decent people who spent 40 years in public service are actually just clueless idiots because i don't think it's fair (laughs) (laughs) yeah eric shots fired put me in your live action meaning of life that was a real bomb <laughs> anyway i hope i don't sound like an idiot and i think it's all like podcasting can be scary sometimes because you're just talking and then you know in an ideal world you consider everything you say and you'd write it down properly and you wouldn't just splurge but the way i hope that anyone listening can continue with a full heart knowing that what they're doing is in earnest and know what they want to do is show solidarity to people who are being victimized and that that is like a major part of this platform and that as a group we can move forward in a positive way like i think that's all that we can hope for really when people talk about how politics has all gone downhill i literally don't recognize the world they're talking about Truly. as far as i'm concerned jeremy corbyn has brought humanity back to politics i think that he's not just not a racist but the most active militantly anti-racist political leader of my lifetime and overwhelmingly on every issue i can think to mention the best yes. well also 
I would say, because something I'm wrestling with is how much I'm hoping for this and how emotional I feel and how sad I am about how much people are struggling in this country. Like, if the worst does happen and Boris Johnson gets some massive unexpected majority, as could happen, because there's no accounting for cunts. There's no accounting (laughs) for cunts in this world. And if it does happen, you just need to know... In trying to canvas with an open heart, in trying to assert yourself as somebody who wants to fight for a better, more just society, you've done nothing to be ashamed of and you've done everything to be proud of and all you can do is not give up and all you can do is continue to be proud because we have changed the landscape of this country politically and we can continue to do so. And the left aren't going back in its box now. That's the fundamental thing. No, because we're all fucking 40 and none of us can buy houses. We can't go in a box. None of us are getting more conservative with age. We just know that neoliberalism's not right. We're not going to start supporting neoliberalism as a triangulation when we know it's going to fucking disadvantage us and everyone we know. (laughs) Yeah, we literally don't have the time or the money to do that. Anyway, listen, it's nice to talk to you guys always. And I wish you all the best. And thank you for being so kind to me. It's so nice. You make an old woman very happy. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for coming on, Josie. It's been awesome to have you on the show again. I'd say listeners, check out our last episode with Josie from 2017 as well. Mm -hmm. And vote Labour, everyone. (laughs) Unless you live in Isha, fine. If you live in Isha, fill your boots. Vote for the Little Snakes. Dominic Raab. Or vote SMP if you live in East Dunbar. Oh, please vote (laughs) double SMP if you live in East Dunbar. (laughs) Squirrel's Revenge. Multiple times for the SMP. Exactly. Show the orange book nutcrackers. Oh, wouldn't it be amazing if she lost by one vote and then the vote turned out to be ten squirrels in a coat? <laughs> anyway, see you guys later. Speak to Thank you, you in a socialist government. Yes. Absolutely. Bye. 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 Okay, I've ended the other recording, but these are my real opinions. I'm for the Brexit party. <laughs> the Tories say we can't afford a fairer society. What a lot of... Hello. A lot of the Tory noise this election has been about who's fit to be Prime Minister, which coming from a party that's chosen Boris Johnson as its leader strikes me as a bit of an own goal. To say Boris Johnson lacks a moral compass is like saying that the Flat Earth Society lacks an actual compass. But you don't need me to tell you that. The fact that Boris Johnson is motivated exclusively by venal self-interest and a grotesque sense of personal entitlement isn't just my opinion. Two recent Tory Prime Ministers and most of his own family have said much the same thing. But what of Jeremy Corbyn? Well, I don't know Jeremy Corbyn. I know that most of the press say that he's the devil incarnate, but then they've said that about every Labour leader since ever. The last Labour leader actually was Jewish, so they spent the entire election saying he was only pretending to eat a bacon sandwich. But enough of personalities. Elections should be about principles, not personalities. I didn't vote for Ed Miliband, or Gordon Brown, or Tony Blair, or Neil Kinnock even, who I'm proud to call a friend. I voted Labour, and I still do. I vote for a caring and inclusive society that values every person equally, not one that unashamedly favours the interests of a wealthy minority over the well-being of all. And before the Daily Mail pointed out, yes, I know I'm one of that wealthy minority, and that's another reason I vote Labour. I don't want to live in such an unequal society, where tens of thousands of children will spend Christmas without a home, where more and more families are going to food banks, which is why I vote for people to have better wages, better jobs, for an NHS safe from the grasping hands of Donald Trump, for the future of our planet 
For an end to schools having to send begging letters to parents for money. For an end to a decade of horrible, cruel austerity for which the current Tory leader apparently bears no responsibility, as with literally everything else he's ever said or done. So yeah, I've always voted Labour and I will vote Labour again on Thursday the 12th of December. The Tories say we can't afford a fairer society. What a lot of Boris. Oh,
tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing. 